All right, greetings to all of you in the name of Jesus. It is a delight to be here. I was thinking on the way here tonight, am I going to tell the truth if I say it is a delight to be here? <laughs> uh, but you know what? It is. I, I concluded by this moment of time that I'm standing here that it is indeed a delight to be here. And I'll tell you why. Because when I walked in the door back there, first of all, a very kind gentleman held the door for me. And then beyond that, everybody that met me after I came in was so kind to me and said they were happy to see me. And so how can you not appreciate and enjoy and be very blessed when you come into a setting where everybody's just so friendly and so kind and so happy to see you? And uh, so God bless you for your kind words and hospitality already this evening. So I have a subject here, and I will be right up front with you. I'm an honest person, so I'm going to tell you right up front, this is the third time I'm preaching this sermon, because I've been asked to preach this, first of all, at the first, I was first of all asked at the first place I preached it, and second of all, I was asked to preach it again at a second place I preached it, and now I'm here at Myerstown this evening preaching it the third time, because I was asked to preach it, so here I am. So uh, the first place was Lichty's, and uh, I guess they thought maybe there was a need for a message like this. Apparently in that church, there must have been some church people or some church members there that must have had family members that had a different view of things. How could that ever be? <laughs> uh, apparently you feel the same way. That maybe there's some people in your life, some pe- family members, uh, maybe extended family, maybe even your immediate family that looks at things a little bit differently, and you're thinking, well, how do we relate to these people? Should we just give them the boot and kick them out and don't let them come around? Or should we, you know, bring them in and kind of be, try to be nice to them or tolerate them or set their table over there and mine over here? And, you know, what should we do with these people? They don't think the way we do. Well, <laughs> you know, there's probably people within the Meyerstown Mennonite Church that don't think the way you do either, no doubt. Um, Because in a room like this, look, look around you. There's people here from, uh, and we're not cookie cutter people, are we? We're not all cut out of the same block of wood. We all have a mind of our own, and we think our own thoughts, and we have our own perspective on things, and we don't all look at at things the same way. And so there's even diversity here in this church. And you brought me here to preach tonight, and I'm very diverse from some of you. (laughs) So... Anyway, we're, we're still part of the family of God, and we love each other, and we fellowship together, and we honor and love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together, and that's what brings us all together, is our service to Jesus. It's not that we see everything alike and think alike on every subject, but we serve the same Christ, and he brings us together. And so apparently this is seen to be a relevant topic here tonight. And so we want to pay attention and see what does God have to say about relating to people with different views. Um, If that has not happened to you yet, actually I am positive that this has happened in your life because I don't think all of your family are here. (laughs) There are probably some brothers and sisters you have that might be elsewhere. Maybe they're in a different church setting. Maybe they're even out living in the world in sin. I don't know. But uh, if your entire family is not sitting here in the Myerstown Mennonite Church tonight, it's probably because there's some diverse views, and you don't quite see things the same way. 
And I know some of you came out of another church to be in this church. So you know what? There's diversity there, without question. And so um, we're going to look at some scriptures tonight. But the first point I want you to get this evening is, if you're a note taker, here's number one. Diversity is inevitable. (laughs) Diversity is inevitable. There is just going to be diversity. Um, I want us to think this evening a little bit back to the first century church. Was anybody there? Oh, that's right. (laughs) Nobody was there. (laughs) We weren't there, but thankfully there were people that were there that wrote a lot about it. And because they wrote a lot about it, we have a lot of insight into what that first century church must have looked like. And so let's read some verses here. Philippians chapter 3, if you'd like to turn there, you may. Um, Think back to the first century church, the original believers. I mean, we're talking about the original ones, such as the disciples of Jesus, the women who ministered to him. They were all of Jewish descent, all right, the originals. Um, They were instructed in the law. And they had their identity as God's chosen people. All right? That was the first believers. And so we have words from the Apostle Paul. He was one of them, and he was very, very Jewish. He says, though, this is uh, Philippians 3 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. In other words, I could depend on my Jewishness. I could depend on my obedience to the law and my keeping of the law. I could have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now, I, that, honestly tonight, honestly, that is hard to imagine. Someone who was blameless in the keeping of the law. Because, I, I, at least that's what he, he said. I can hardly imagine that because hardly anybody would have said, yeah, I keep the law perfectly. I am spot on when it comes to keeping the law. That's me. But he said, I'm blameless in the keeping of the law. And so he had every reason that he could have boasted in his ability to do what God wanted him to do and to be saved. So here is, in the Apostle Paul, the quintessential Jew. He was the real deal. He was top of the line. This is the perspective, the background, and the tradition and the worldview that he brought to the table when he was converted. A Jew of the stock of Israel, a a Jew of the Jews. Um, And so we have the Jews in the first century church, the Apostle Paul describing that to us. And then (laughs) there were the Gentiles. Now, what were they? Um, here we have some words in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. It says, which, talking about Gentiles, which in time past were not a people. 
Now, I, I, I don't know how you describe being not a people, <laughs> but they were people. But in other words, as far as association with God, they were not people. They were not his people. They were not a people, but are now the people of God. Okay, this is talking about Gentiles, which had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. And then we have another scripture, Ephesians 2, 11 to 13. Wherefore, remember, and people here at Myerstown tonight, wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at time ye were without Christ. We're talking about Gentiles. Actually, it's talking about you and me. We were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. Can I stop right there? Just talk about hope for a moment. Brothers and sisters, at Myerstown tonight, we have hope in Jesus Christ. And he is the only hope. You think this world is a disaster? Anybody with me on that? The world is a disaster. It is in total chaos. There is no decency in this society. Jason Fox was talking about his, what happened in his neighborhood only yesterday or the day before. And total chaos. Somebody broke into a house and beat a person in the house and he ran away and the people in the family were so furious that if they'd have got their hands on this guy, they were going to kill him. Man, talk about chaos. No peace, no hope, no direction, nothing. Their life is empty. Their life is headed for disaster and destruction. And tonight, look at you. Look at you, dear people here tonight. Living in peace, tranquility. And you know what? If everything goes wrong in this world, you have hope for, to, for eternity. We have hope. And, and the hope we have is Jesus Christ. So put your hope. There's a sign out by the Holy Mennonite Church right now that I drive by. It says, put your hope in Jesus because he is the only hope. There is no hope in this world. This world is bankrupt of hope. There's nothing here. But all hope is found in Jesus Christ. Put your hope in him. Don't put it in your bank account. Don't put it in your business. Don't put it in any material thing. There's no hope there. But hope is found in Jesus, and it is abundant hope, and it is living hope. So you were without hope, without Jesus, okay? Everybody who's living without Jesus is without hope. Whether they know it or not, they are without hope. But we have hope in Jesus. Says the Gentiles having no hope, without God in the world. But now, brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. These are, these are Gentile descriptions of believers. And then 1 Thessalonians 1.9 says, For they themselves show us, of, show us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And so 
we have this man, Paul, describing the perfect Jew, how they kept the law, and they were God's chosen people. We have a description of the Gentiles who were outsiders, far away, serving idols. And you bring these two perspectives into one church. Do you think there was some diversity there? There was some serious diversity in the first century church. And we think sometimes it's hard for us to get along with brother so-and-so that was, that, that, you know, he has a little bit different idea about things about than we do. I'll tell you what, we're pretty close together in a lot of things compared to them. And so they figured it out. Good thing they had problems. Is it all right for me to say that? It's a good thing that the first century church had problems because we have all kinds of New Testament writings to solve problems. And so when problems arise today, guess what we do? We try to figure them out on our own, right? No. We look at the New Testament. We read the writings of Paul. Okay, he said that you need to do this. Okay, he said this is how you treat people. Okay, this is how we get along in the church. Okay, this is even how we get along in a home. I mean, we have all kinds of instruction telling us how to work through our difficulties and our problems in a very productive and successful way. So thank God there was problems. So we have all these good writings to look to and we can figure things out too. And so bring these two together. Bring the Jews together with the Gentiles. Are they going to see things the same way? Not a chance. Will they approach the new life in the same way? No. So we read through Acts and the epistles. Conflicts. Conflicts and contradictions. Confusion abounds in the early church. Could they get along? Could they work it out? Miraculously, they did. <laughs> they figured it out. By God's grace, through his Holy Spirit, through the instruction of the word of God, they figured it out. And you know what? Things are not much different today. People are different. People are diverse. Different perspectives. And so diversity is inevitable. Every person is an individual. All right? Now, that's, that's pretty profound, isn't it? But they have their own unique experiences in life. I'll tell you about my father. My father's name was Clifford. Clifford Steinrook. And Clifford Steinrook grew up in a rather nominal Christian home. And they went to church um, when he was... In his early 20s, he joined the army. My father joined the army. My father was an army man. And he learned that somebody in charge, you just listen to them. You know, that's how sergeants are in the army. They bark orders and everybody runs around doing exactly what they said, even if it makes no sense. Okay. And so that's the way my father handled my brother and I. You bark orders and everybody just runs around and does what you say. That was sort of the way he kind of operated. He was a good father. He pro provided well for us. I appreciated my father. I always respected him and forgave him for all kinds of things he did that were not very nice to me. But uh, he brought that perspective to the Mennonite church. <laughs> he became a member of the Fairview Mennonite church in 1985. And you know what? I'm not sure the army ever got out of him. He carried the army inside of him his entire life. And so he'd be sitting there in Sunday school and he'd say things to, you know, the, the Sunday school class sometimes. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. I don't know what's wrong. You know, he'd even, uh, you know, he'd say some things that were kind of half inappropriate sometimes in Sunday school. 
But everybody say, yeah, that's Cliff. That's Cliff. Yep, we'll take it from Cliff. It's all right. I mean, he called, he called some men in Sunday school some pretty bad names already, right? In Sunday school class. Oh, boy, please don't do that, you know? We're Mennonites, and we're calm, and we're gentle, and we're kind. We don't call people names in Sunday school. But you know what? That was his perspective. That was his life. That's what he knew. That's what he'd heard all of his life. And so he brought that perspective right into the church. Was he beneficial to be there? Did, we, did everybody say, well, I don't think we want Cliff around. Let's give him the boot. No. They were much kinder than that. They put up with Clifford. And Clifford had two boys named Fred and Ted. And uh, they didn't quite act like Clifford. So <laughs> things turned out pretty good. So. All right, so uh, anyway, there are all kinds of various perspectives that people can bring to the church and to the kingdom of God. And so if they were able to get along in the first century, what do you think about 2023? Can we get along? Can we work it out? Can we appreciate the fact that this brother does not look at it the same way I do, but I appreciate his perspective? Um, we need to give each other the grace to be our own person. And so <clears throat> these uh, things are not much different today. Every person's an individual with unique experiences, inputs, interests, circumstances. And so this evening, how many people are in this building? I don't know. I didn't count them. And maybe you didn't either. But there is potential here for extreme diversion from one another. Maybe I should take a survey here tonight and say, brothers, is there anyone in this church that you disagree with on anything? <laughs> Probably everybody would have to sheepishly put up their hand and say, yeah, there's some people here that I, you know, I don't quite see eye to eye with them on whatever this subject is. There's diversity here, all right? Does everyone need to think like you? What do you think? If everybody thinks like you, then somebody doesn't need to be here, I guess. We need to blend our perspectives and blend our, blend our understandings, blend our experiences, blend our gifts, blend our backgrounds, and blend our lives in such a way that it brings much praise and glory and honor to Jesus because by all men, by, by this all men are going to know you're his disciples, not if you all think exactly alike, but if you have love one for another. And how is love tested to be seen as what it really is if we are not tested in disagreement, tested in difficulty, in hard decisions, relationships, whatever it might be. Love isn't really worth much unless it comes through in the hard times, right? That's when love counts, when it comes through in times of difficulty. And so we have the potential here tonight for extreme diversion from one another. Diversity is inevitable, okay? Point number one. I have a second point for you tonight, and that is a very simple little sentence. Each can choose, okay? Each can choose, and I don't know if you've had the experience as a parent. I have. I've had the experience as a parent of taking my children to church, having family devotions with them, them living in my household, growing up in my household, 
They have the input. They have the teaching. They even went to Fairview Christian School. They have all the input, and yet they choose differently. And I think some of you have had experiences like that, too. They do not choose, necessarily, to, to walk right in the footsteps of mom and dad. They choose differently. And so each can choose. <clears throat> I have a scripture here from Deuteronomy chapter 30, and uh, a very impacting, <laughs> a very impacting scripture. And this is for every one of us here tonight. God has words that are very impacting to our life. Uh, this is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. He says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. So this choice that was given to these people is no different and no less than the choice that is given to you and I tonight. He says, I call heaven and earth to record this day. I am setting before you life and death. If you love and serve God, that is life to you. If you live in rebellion and choose your own ways and serve and worship idols, you are going to die. And you know what's no different today? I tell you what, God is our life and our connection to him. If you are connected to the God of heaven, you have true life flowing into you. But if you're not connected to the true God of heaven tonight, you are living a dead life and you're going to float all the way through this life and you're going to end up in eternal death and separation from God. And so God says, I give you this choice. You've got a choice to make. Everybody has a choice to make. And these items and these details that he puts forth here are the same for us today. He says, there's, there's four things here. Is it three? He says, that you will love the Lord your God. I tell you what, brothers and sisters, tonight, that is a sermon all its own, but you were created by the Almighty God to love Him. That's your purpose. That is your work. That is why you're here. God made Adam and Eve way back in the Garden of Eden because He wanted them to love Him. He created them to love Him. They're made in His image so they could love Him. And God made you in His image so that you could love Him. And you need to live in a love relationship with your God. That's what God calls you to. And you know what? When you think about the love that God has for you, when you think about the love that he poured out upon you through his son, Jesus Christ, that he was willing to go to the cross and give his life, shed his blood, die a painful death for you, and to recognize that it was all love. It was all love for me. And when I think about that, how can I not love the God? who has shown such lavish love upon me. And so tonight, you have the privilege and the blessing and the opportunity to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you know what? When you love him as you should, as you ought, or as you can, you find that that is so fulfilling to your heart. You are made 
to love God and to obey him and to serve him and to worship him and to honor him. And the bigger place God has in your heart, the fuller your life is going to be. If God only has a tiny little part of you, you're going to have a lot of empty space in there that's not filled up. But if God has a big part of your heart, he has your whole heart, then he is filling your whole heart and your heart is so satisfied in God because you love him and you serve him. Very fulfilling and satisfying life. And so we all know tonight that two people, and this happened to me as a young person. I don't know why God was so gracious to me, but my heart was open as a young man to the teaching of the word of God, to the people of God at the Fairview Christian School. I went there as a teenager. I went in there. I was not really a very good person. I listened to bad music. I had bad friends. And I was on the verge of using a lot of bad language, but I never really got into swearing all that much. But I went in there at 13, 14 years old, and I saw Jay Fox, and I saw Eli Sensnake, and I saw later on Jeff Bigger, and these men of God who taught me the Word of God. They not only taught the Word of God, they believed the Word of God, and they lived the Word of God. Very impacting. It's a very impacting thing. I sat there under their teaching. I said, this is it. I said, this is it. This is what life is about. This is how man's to live. This is how, we're, how to function in this world. The way God said in his word. I could see it. I could see it. There was young men who sat next to me in Bible class and in devotions and in chapel and in the, in the desk next to me. They went out and lived in sin. Same input. Same opportunity. Same words. Same influence. And yet they chose a different way. Everybody has the power to choose. And so if you're here tonight and you're saying, you know what, I'm not going to serve the Lord because of this person, that person, and the other person, because they're hypocrites, because they said this, because they did that, that's pathetic. That's pathetic to blame other people for you not choosing to serve Christ. That's pathetic. You are your person. You make your decisions in life, and don't blame your decisions that you're making that are wrong on other people. Don't blame them. It's all you. God has given you a wonderful opportunity to know his truth, to know his son, to know the Savior, and to serve the Lord. And if you're not choosing that, pathetic. That's too bad. It's your choice. So choose Jesus. Choose to serve God. Don't worry what other people are doing. You just do it better than they did, okay? He is thy life. All else is death. And so, same input, same experience, same parents even. Sometimes you see siblings. One turns out this way, the other turns out that way. It's because they made their choice. It was their choice what they did with their life. Making a choice is a right that God gives to every human being. We know not all the choices people make are equally valid or correct. Did you see people? I'm sure you've seen people make some really, really dumb choices in life. Have you observed that? You've seen people, what are they doing? What are they thinking? Oh, that's right, they're not. Actually, people make really bad choices when they don't think, instead they feel. Oh, I feel. Oh, this feels good. This feels right. Oh, I just want this so much. And so what? If it isn't right, it's not right. If it's against God, it's against God. doesn't matter how you feel about it. Do the right thing. Do what's right. And so we often wish that we could make choices for people. 
Sometimes people's choices are very bad. They're very irrational, illogical. They're pure nonsense. And yet God doesn't shut down their choice. God does not intervene and say, nope, you're not going to do that, buddy. God says, hey, I've given you a choice. You can choose that. But then you're going to have to live with the consequence of that choice. So God gives people the right to choose. Inherent in every biblical command is a choice. God commands to do something. The choice is there. (laughs) You can either do it or you can say, I'm not going to do it. God gives you that right. Obey it or reject it. This choice will play out in some way with the consequence. Every choice we make is a seed we plant. And many walk through life knowing better. They know right, but they do not do right. So that's what we do. We also choose what we believe. Okay? You also choose what you believe. Some act like they have reasons to doubt. Oh, I can't, I can't believe because I have these, these, are, these are all things I've constructed in my mind that give me all kinds of doubts and I don't believe. But that's your choice if you want to construct a bunch of doubts about God. That's a choice. This is generally a people-oriented choice. People blame people for, the, for their poor choices. And tonight we all recognize that everybody believes something. It is their choice to believe or to not believe God. It's a choice you make. And the world around us, does the world have, I'll put truth in quotes, all right? But does not the world have truth? They have their truth. They have their agenda. They have what they promote. And would you agree with me tonight that the world's truth is actually a big pack of lies? It's a big pack of lies. They tell you this is what it's going to do for you, but it never does that. It never comes through. It never, it never satisfies. And it's just a pack of lies the world promotes, but that's all they have. They don't have anything else. They can't, pro- they can't promote the true gospel of Jesus. That would never get them any money. But... The world does what they do and promotes what they do because they don't have anything better. People choose to believe what the world says, which is actually a pack of lies. God has his truth, which when one believes, if you believe God's truth tonight, you find it works. And you find that it's all true. And this yields a great blessing. It yields peace, joy, Hope, purpose, and success. That's what happens when we choose God's way. Some choose to believe a little bit of God's truth and then doubt the rest. There's people like that. That also has its consequences. And that leads to a life of confusion and conflict and disappointment. I don't think there's anything more disappointing than being a religious person that doesn't really go all out for God, okay? A person doesn't really go all out for God does not have God's best. God does not give him their best, his best. So they end up having a meager dose of God, and if they're 
at least reasonably religious. They, they know they shouldn't have a full dose of the world and sin, so they don't have that either. So they go through life totally disappointed. I don't have what the world gives. I don't have what God gives. I just don't have much of anything. So believe God with your whole heart. Put yourself into it. Make it your passion and your obsession to know Jesus and to serve God. And then God has his best to lavish on your life. And you will walk in confidence and in joy and in freedom in serving the Lord. Well, did you ever wish you could choose for someone else? Many times you would do a much better job of making their choices for them. Oh, if only we could. But it's their choice. That's not your job. Sadly tonight, maybe it's not sadly, but the reality is everyone needs to make their own decisions in life, and we need to be careful how we make ours. Okay? Be careful how you make your choices. Or somebody might look at you and say, how I wish I could make their choices for them. But be wise. Make right choices. And you will be very glad you did. Third point tonight, point number three, is that God will judge. God will judge. Tonight, that takes the load off of you, all right? Do you understand what I'm saying? That takes the load off of you. You don't have to judge. Do you ever meet people and you say, you know what, I don't think they're, I'm not sure about them. They don't quite seem to be. You know what? It's not up to you to decide. It's not your decision. It's not your business. It's God's. God judges. He's the judge. This is actually a liberating truth tonight. We know that diversity is inevitable. And that each can and will choose what he will do. And what he will believe. But God will judge. And God's judgment, we don't have to worry if he's going to make a mistake. Because God will judge perfectly. God has perfect knowledge of every person, what they think, what they do, how they operate. God knows it all perfectly, and he will judge perfectly. I think it is very possible for somebody to have a sincere heart and yet be kind of off track. That's possible, but God knows that. God knows their heart, even though it looks like they're off track, all right? God knows them, and so God will judge perfectly. Romans chapter 14, verses 10 and 11. But why? Why dost thou judge thy brother? Okay, he's assuming something here, all right? He is assuming the people he's writing to are judging their brother. He says, why do you do this? Why are you judging your brother? Why are you looking across the aisle at brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, and you're wondering, what is wrong with them? Why don't they do it like this? What's wrong with their life? They're not not where they ought to be. And you have critical thoughts towards them. You wonder, what's wrong with them? He says, why do you judge your brother? Why do you act as though he is accountable to you when he's actually accountable to God? Okay? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? Why do you avoid him? Why do you put him aside? Why do you think that he's less than you are? Or whatever the case may be. For we shall all stand 
before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. And so God is the judge. You know what? If your child comes to you and says, look at those people, I don't think they're Christians. Children say things. <laughs> Maybe your children are growing up, they don't say things like that. But little children sometimes do. I don't think they, look, the lady's wearing pants. I don't think she's a Christian. You know? Or look, the guy's not wearing a shirt. He's, he's an evil person. Well, you know, I suggest men wear shirts. Okay, I, I, I agree with that. But you know what? What's a good answer? It's up to God. It's up to God. He will judge. I'm not the judge, okay? I'm not the judge. Um, I met a man. I had a, we had a class reunion about two weeks ago for a class that graduated from Fairview School years ago. We got together, and one of the students that was in my class, he was one of my students, and Brian Fox, we both were his teacher. He's there, and he is about this wide, and he's about this tall. He always was very tall. He had a very sweet, high tenor voice, and he sang beautifully in the Fairview Choir. But here's this big guy. I mean, he's strapping big. And he, since he graduated, got one of his arms all tattooed up. And guess what he is today? He is a Reading City police officer. And you know what? He was talking about how it breaks his heart, the things he has to see in the city of Reading. He says he goes home, he's so burdened. And he can't sleep at night for the things he had to see and the things he had to do and deal with. And you know what? He talks about serving the Lord as a police officer. And I look at that and I say, how can you? That sounds like a hard thing to try to reconcile, to serve God as a police officer when you're carrying a gun on your hip. And uh, if the wrong thing happens, you just might have to use it. He's got a good heart. He's got a good heart. I think he's sincere. I think he really wants to serve the Lord. But he's a police officer. What am I going to do about it? John, can't be a police officer and serve Jesus. You know what? I'm willing to let God decide. I'm willing to put that in God's hands and say, you know what? God will have perfect judgment with John Henry. Okay? It's not in my hands. I can say, God bless you, John. Take the love of Jesus to the city of Reading as a police officer. <laughs> what else can I say? You know? But you know what's in God's hands? He will, he will make a perfect judgment. God is perfect in all his ways. And he'll do the right thing. All right? And so, we are not the judge. That is very liberating. Uh, we can sometimes be rather critical of other people. We smugly assume that we have it all together. I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters, it is never, listen to me, it is Never appropriate for a follower of Jesus to be smug about anything. Everything we do and everything we have and everything we hold, it is with humility. We are humble people. We also have to recognize that there is a chance, just a tiny little microscopic chance that maybe we're not right about everything. Okay? Maybe we don't have it all together like we think we do. Maybe we're a little bit off track over here. Maybe the way they think about it is right after all. And so we need to be gracious and hold our views with humility and that we be a people known for love and, and compassion and mercy and humility 
instead of we've got it all together. We, 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 watch the, we walk the tightrope line of balance. We're not legalistic and we don't abuse the grace of God. We've got it. I mean, we are straight on. Shame on us if we are proud about what we think about ourselves. Because we might be wrong too. Am I allowed to say that here tonight? Be humble. God is the judge. We pride ourselves in being right, but our pride makes us wrong. We passionately stand for truth, but we fail to do so in love. Again, failing in what matters most. You know, Jesus had a bone to pick with the Pharisees. He said, you guys pay, you guys pay your tithe of mint, anise, and cumin. You guys are so microscopic and so measuring in making sure you do everything right. But he says, you have forgotten the things that matter. Is it possible that people can forget the things that really matter when they're so focused on the microscopic details and getting everything just in its proper place? All the I's dotted and the T's crossed. I didn't want to get that right, so I had to think through it. But we want to get it so right, we forget about the things that matter. And God says, you don't have mercy. You don't show love. You are not gracious. You have used wrong judgment on people. And God says, have mercy. Be kind. Be gentle. Be generous. Show love. Those are the things that God says matter. In fact, it's his second commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And second of all, love your neighbor as yourself. So we need to be known for love the love that we have for people. And so we don't judge, we don't criticize, we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, and so must they. I must serve, I must trust, I must obey God to the best of my ability. I need not criticize others, nor do I need to be influenced by them. You know what? We're afraid of people. We're afraid to mingle with people because we're afraid they're going to influence us to the wrong thing. You know what, if I'm serving the Lord with all my heart and I want to do what honors him, you know, what they do is their business. I don't have to look at them and say, hey, they're Christians over there, and look what they're doing. I think I'm going to do that too. How, how flimsy, how weak. What kind of a Christian are you? We don't look horizontally to figure out what we're going to do in life. We look vertically. We look to God. We look to his truth. We look to his word. We don't care what they're doing. If they want to serve the Lord like that, that's their business. We serve the Lord according to our understanding of the word of God. understand what the Holy Spirit says to me. I'm going to serve God the way I believe God is leading me to. They don't, they don't have to affect me. All right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Leave all judgment to God. We're talking about relating to people that might have different views and perspectives than we do. Fourth point this evening and last is that I represent Christ. I represent Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Then, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So what is my role in difficult relationships? <laughs> so I'm sitting around with people that don't think the way I do, they don't look the way I do, they don't act the way I do, and they really don't talk the way I do. But what's my place here? You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of I'm going to be like a snail or like a turtle. 
and I'm just going to re retreat back into my shell, and I'm not going to say anything, because I know that it won't be popular here, okay, or whatever. You know what? Represent Jesus. Represent Jesus. We go to family reunions, weddings, holiday meals, birthday parties, etc., and the list can go on, and these can be awkward. Anybody with me on that? Do you understand what I'm saying? They can be awkward. Some may lodge their disapproval by staying away. They say, you know what, I'm not even going to go there. I don't approve. I don't appreciate. I'm out of there. I'm not going there. Is that the right response? I doubt it. We had a dear sister, maybe this is, I shouldn't even use this for an illustration because maybe this is you. But we had a dear sister at Fairview years ago. Uh, some of you would know her. She's long gone to glory. But her and her husband would never go to a restaurant that served alcohol. By, that was their disapproval. That's how they lodged disapproval of that place. Now, obviously, if you're giving them your money, well, may, you know, they might be using it to buy more booze. I don't know, but... You know what? The light of Jesus did not go into those places through her. Okay? And I wonder sometimes if we would do more good by taking the light of Jesus into dark places than we do if we just stay away from them. Okay? And there are many dark places in the world. Now, I don't suggest we all just go frequent the dark places just to be there. But you know what? The light of Jesus is in you. And you take Jesus with you wherever you go. And so sometimes we go places and we're thinking, well, I'm not sure I really want to be here. I, I see, I've uh, gone in a busload of young people already down through Times Square. And I'm thinking, oh boy, this is, oh, what are we doing here? You know, oh, my. there's all kinds of bad, bad stuff going on there. <clears throat> but you know what? The light of Jesus travels with us everywhere we go. And so be Jesus representative. And so, uh, moving on from that, uh, we may think that the most, we are the most influential upon our family relation, relations by boycotting activities uh, we don't agree with or like, but perhaps our light would shine much brighter by being there. So tonight, have you ever been in a setting where you said, you know what, I don't really need these people? You ever, were you ever there? <laughs> I was, I was in settings where I look around and I say, you know what, I don't really need these people, but maybe they need me. And so I take Jesus into those settings. Jesus said, go into the world. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Go into the world. Sometimes into the world is actually into our family settings. And so whatever the case tonight, be Jesus do as he did. Who did he sit with anyway? He said, hey, Pharisees, let's all get together. I want to sit with the religious people, and we're going to have a religious debate around the table. He did some of that, but he sat down with the publicans and the sinners, and he spent time with them. Do as he did. Be as he was, and say what he said. But Say it kindly. Say it gently. Say it with love. Love as he loved, bring his influence to bear upon the hearts and the minds and the lives of those you love. Live out your faith without apology. 
Why do you go to that Myerstown Mennonite church anyway? Well, you guys are just a bunch of Mennonites anyhow, you know. Uh, well, we love and serve Jesus. Yes, we do. And this is a great place to fellowship and to worship. And so um, allow the confidence or allow the message of God to go to them through you. So live out your faith without apology. Be confident in who you are in Christ. Be his person and represent him well. Tonight, I want to tell you something. Sorry to, ta sorry to have to tell you this. We don't all have to agree, all right? We don't. We have to agree about some things, but there's, there's room for, for diversity of thought. We won't all agree, but one thing we can do, all of us can love. We can all love each other. And it's the love of Christ in us that binds us together as a body of, of believers. And so we can love, we can encourage, we can shine, and we can bless, and we can lift. So tonight, relating to family members with differing spiritual beliefs can be a challenge. And I didn't really get into a whole lot of description of my family, but we had a lot of diversity in my coming, my father coming from where he did, my mother coming from where she did. We had a very diverse family. And we are the only people in our family that are like us. The rest of them look at us like we're some kind of a Martians from outer space, I guess. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're, we're willing to be different, you know. We're mingling with all these people that are all, you know, totally worldly people. They're all standing around drinking alcohol and talking about, usually it was talking about sports or something like that. And we're just, we're just totally different. We're of a different world altogether. And they would introduce us, this is our Mennonite, this is my Mennonite brother and his family. And uh, we were just really odd, you know. So it can be difficult, can be a challenge. But even more than that, it can be a great opportunity to shine the light of Jesus Christ and to show what a godly life looks like. So tonight, the challenge is to bring to bear the light of Jesus upon the lives of people you have to relate to in your family, in your community, maybe in the church, but probably not so much. People that are different than you bring the truth of God, the light of God to bear upon their hearts and their lives. Be a representative for God and his truth in the lives of those you love. We're going to pray, and I'll turn it back to Brother Liam. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together tonight to worship the great Savior of our lives, Jesus Christ. We thank you for what you have done for us in the gift of your Son, redeeming us from a life of sin and redeeming us to a life of righteousness and faith and truth that is full of your blessing of love peace, joy, and all of the benefits and blessings that go along with serving you. I pray, Lord, tonight, make it clear in our minds what our purpose is for being here. It is to love you, first of all, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love our neighbors, to love our friends, to love our family members, to love the people in our community, to love people like Jesus did. I pray that we might be your ambassadors, bringing your truth and your love and your message to bear upon the hearts of those we meet. 
So give us wisdom, give us strength and guidance, and use us, Lord, in the building of your kingdom for your great glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.